Hi everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Logan Rankin from Rankin Investment Group. Uh, welcome back, Logan. So you came uh, on episode 87 and we discussed about systems and our process. So welcome back. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sure. And a little bit about Logan. Logan is an experienced and strategic entrepreneur that achieved financial freedom at the age of 30. He has built two multi-million dollar businesses and owns over 1,500 plus units, over 150 million in real estate. He spent the first decade of his professional working career, Fortune 50 corporation leading retail operations. He escalated quickly through various leadership positions where he built high-performing teams and managed large PNL portfolios. During that time, he led and implemented strategic operational changes at the enterprise level across the U.S. Currently, he focuses on growing his three real estate businesses, velocitizing his money and investing consulting for other businesses. Behind his investments, he is passionate about financial education on all levels. So with that, Logan, you want to add anything to your background? No, I think the only thing I would add is it's been an exciting start to this year. So um, I ended last year just under 1500 units. And uh, next week, I will be within about 50 units of um, 2000 units now. So um, close on about 500 units so far in 2022. So been a, been an excited year. Yeah, definitely, we, we can discuss about that exciting and uh, other exciting stuff. Also, you're doing like you know, writing book and publishing next few weeks. Uh, share me a little bit more about, you know, uh, that book and why you are writing that book. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, the book's called Find Your Financial Freedom. And um, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes so um, anybody that's listening can get a chance to be able to buy the book. And I will, uh, I, why I'm writing the book to answer your question is like my financial literacy, I didn't, I didn't have one like all the way through until, you know, a few years into my working career. I grew up in a small town in Northern Wisconsin, uh, hard, hardworking, blue class uh, type of town. And unfortunately, you know, I didn't learn anything about financial literacy. I didn't learn anything about making money. I didn't learn anything about building wealth. And I didn't learn it not only from where I grew up, but like all the way through high school, all the way through college. Um, and I took a path that a lot of people do. I started working for a corporation and I got my W2 job. And, and all I knew at that time was all debt's bad debt, you know, so just pay it off. And then if you have money left over, you should save it. If you have a little bit more than that, you should put it into a 401k. And luckily, uh, you know, not coming from money, I always wanted to make money. So I started reading books because I didn't feel like that was helping me get ahead. And that strategy didn't seem sound. And I just questioned why, uh, you know, all debt is, is all debt, debt, bad debt. And eventually I read enough books. You read enough books on, on, on money and building wealth, you find real estate. I tested a ton of different kinds of investments, but you know, I fell into real estate and uh, started back in 2013 buying one unit and 
you know, now I own 200 million worth of real estate. So it's been a really fun journey. It's helped me get financial free at a young age and retire from my W2 job by 30, like you said. And knowing that it took me way too long um, to realize how to build wealth and, and uh, that the, there's different strategies that aren't being taught. That's why I wanted to build this book. Cause I think there's a lot of people that can benefit this in honestly, in high school, coming out of college, I mean, really at any age, this book will benefit people if they want to know more about how to get to financial freedom, right? If they want to know more about how to build wealth. And I wrote it in a way that I think will help with a, a lot of different aspects. It, it certainly is going to talk about mindset, Rama. Like it, it gets into, you know, I just think the traditional ways to be able to retire don't work. And like, I don't think it's fair to wait until you're 65 to be able to retire. And then will you be able to with things that are going on now, like inflation being over 10%, uh, probably a lot higher than that. If you actually look at how it's being calculated, uh, there's just a lot of things that lock up your money. And I think people need to realize that these traditional ways to be able to grow your wealth might not be the ways that are going to help them achieve financial freedom. So it questions a lot of norms. It questions a lot of beliefs. And then uh, it actually gives actionable steps, like actionable steps you can do today. Same steps, by the way, that I do on a monthly basis to be able to build your wealth, to be able to track your wealth, to be able to velocitize your wealth. And there's some other cool stuff in the book. Like there's a chapter on legacy. So I'm very passionate about helping kids understand financial literacy. So if you're, you know, an adult trying to achieve financial freedom, it'd be really cool if you can teach that to your kids too. So there's a chapter on that. Um, and of course, there's a chapter on real estate. It's called find your financial freedom. So there's a lot of different strategies on figuring it out for yourself, not just in real estate, but I truly believe that real estate is one of the, the biggest factors to be able to help achieve financial freedom the fastest. So there's a really cool chapter at the end talking about, you know, how, why you should get into real estate, like how you can do it, why it's a very good investment. So whether you have zero units or a few hundred units, I think that real estate chapter would benefit a lot of people too. Awesome. And congratulations on that. And so when exactly it is available for audience? Yeah, it's available on May 10th. Uh, so, uh, hopefully today, uh, that you're listening to it. And, um, like I said, if you click the link, you can go to it, you can uh, get the ebook. So anybody in, uh, this audience, uh, and, and listen to these podcasts can get the ebook today for 99 cents. Otherwise there's an option for paperback and hardcover as well. May 10th. Awesome. And, uh, by writing this book, what lessons you have learned personally, Logan? Um, well, one of the, one of the lessons that I learned from writing this book is it took way longer than I thought. I've been working on this book. I was, I was joking before this podcast started with you that I, it takes, it takes me uh, longer to write a book uh, and get it the way I want than it does buying an apartment uh, community and repositioning it. I think I can do that faster. <laughs> um, so uh, just patience. Cause I, I I've, I kind of share this. The one thing that affect my life when it comes to financial literacy and when it comes to growing my net worth and, and being able to retire at a young age was books. I didn't have rich parents. I didn't have rich friends. I didn't have anybody around me, mentors, teachers, professors, helping me figure out how, to, how money works. Um, so books, books were my answer. So I, I still read a book a week. And I, I'll tell you my, my greatest lesson, it, it's hard to write a great book. And uh, so I wanted this to be really, really good. Um, took a lot longer than I thought, but I think the finished product is awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, a year and a half worth of work. I'm excited for other people to get a chance to read it too. Awesome. Awesome. 
So switching back to you know a real estate side, so you clo- you are closing almost 500 units. Awesome, congratulations. So tell me like uh, how exactly you source of deals. Uh, li- tell me a little bit more about those deals. Yeah. Um, so for all these deals, uh, they're all off market. I probably haven't bought a deal on market in about two years. It's just tough in this kind of market to make the underwriting and the numbers work. So sourcing all these deal off market and how I do that is, you know, my, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for apartment communities that are 40 units or more, right? I'll buy 4,000 if it's there. Um, so I'm looking for, for a bigger apartment community. And then I'm usually looking for something that's C class or B class and tired, right? You know, the owner owned it for a long time. You know, he's, he's probably managing it himself or has a bad property management company managing it. So they haven't moved up rents and they haven't invested in the property because my specialty, I own another company. I own my property management company. And within that company, we also can rehab units. So what I want is I, I want a tired property. And, um, and I want to take that property and I want to invest in it. And I invest a lot in my properties, Rama. Like I'm, I'm always repositioning my properties because I think it's first, it's the right thing to do for the residents. You know, if they're paying rent, they deserve a quality place to be able to live. Um, and then it provides a lot of jobs with my employees. And then obviously if you do it right, it also can make a lot of profit. At the end of the day, we're in this to make profit. If you don't make profit, you can't keep the apartment. And then, you know, the residents don't have a place to stay. So I'm sourcing them off market, um, getting them under contract, usually at, at a, at a fair price. I would, I would tell you for a lot of listeners on this call, most of my off market deals, I think the person selling them is getting a pretty darn good deal the way they're, they're running it. I'm willing to overpay in this kind of market, um, you know, based on their NOI, if I see a lot of the potential of what could happen. And I think a, a lot of investors aren't willing to do that. You know, they're, they're, they look at the numbers, and they look at the NOI and they're like, hey, that's that's way too expensive. But if you can pay that person and feel very confident in your own systems, you know, your own ability to rehab quickly, uh, your own ability to be able to drive NOI, well, then it makes sense all day to be able to, you know, pay a little bit more for these apartments so that you can create systems and treat that apartment like a business and drive that NOI forward and forcing appreciation. And that that's what I do um, is essentially, how can I reposition this property as fast as possible? Um, I think the only thing harder in this market uh, than finding a deal is uh, having the labor to be able to rehab that deal and execute on that deal. Um, and I have that. So that's something I work really hard at. And we rehab units, our, our expectation is to rehab a 10 to $20,000 unit in 72 hours. That's what we, that's what we're going to do. And we're doing 15 to 20 of those a week, by the way. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That is the advantage of having like, you know, property in-house property management. So yeah, definitely. So you, I think that's what you're doing like last few years of building systems and processes and then executing, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And also like last time when we spoke, you're focusing on like seller financing and some creative financing stuff. How exactly you're structuring your deals now and what kind of business plan you're executing? Yeah, I, I still do. I still will definitely try to do seller financing or um, seller credits or any kind of creative financing uh, that the deal will allow for. But other times I'm putting down the full 20 to 25%. It just really depends on the deal. My objective though, is because I'm so heavy on the rehab. Like I just, a few weeks ago, I just closed on a 200 unit apartment complex, right? And it needs about three and a half to $4 million worth of CapEx. Now I want to spend that money uh, within 12 to 18 months, not four years, like a lot of people. So if I can figure out a way to put down less than 20%, 
obviously it allows me to be able to invest in my properties that much faster. Um, plus quite honestly, if I'm putting down 20%, but I'm doing a heavy, heavy repositioning by the time I get done with that repositioning, my LTV is going to be around 50%. And that's, you know, leverage is a very powerful tool and that's just way too risk adverse. I wanted my LTV to be closer to 75 overall. Um, so still, still, I guess to answer your question, getting, uh, figuring out how to get creative if I need to be. Um, but any way to be able to get into the deal. Got it. Yep. Thank you. And so, uh, you have in-house construction team or you're outsourcing that part? We do about 85% of our work in-house and then we outsource about 15%. And that's how to always be because, you know, 85% allows us to create speed, uh, to be able to rehab, uh, somewhere between 500 to 750,000 of CapEx a month, right? That creates a lot of speed. We can get it done quick, uh, reduces our vacancy and increases the NOI uh, fast. Why the 15%? Well, obviously if I'm closing on a lot of apartments, uh, that takes time to be able to hire people. It takes time to be able to train people. Um, so ultimately having that flexibility of vendors or you know, 1099 independent contractors that can help us uh, as we are growing. So maybe we go from 85% to 65% because I've acquired, you know, 200 units in one month. Uh, now we have these independent contractors that can help us mitigate that gap. And then what we'll do is obviously hire and move that back to 85%. So it, it creates flexibilities, but the, the majority of the work is done in-house. Got it. And what is your current team size? Right now, about 72 total employees. Uh, all are full-times or some contractors as well? Uh, the 72 employees are all full-time. Um, and then we probably have on top of that another, I would say, four independent contractors with teams as well. So maybe another 20 on top of that. Awesome. Yeah. And that's a big size. Yep. It is. And it's bigger than like, cause we're, we're about 2,200 total units. Some of my employees, um, have, have properties too. So, um, so we have about 2,200 units under property management, my in-house property management, and you would not need that many employees, uh, to, uh, property manage, uh, 2,200 units. The reason why is, you know, we're buying these heavier lifts. Uh, so the majority of those 72 employees and independent contractors, um, are in the field. Uh, they're, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of that in house. So we do need a bigger staff. Got it. Yeah. So would you share any of, you know, best experiences last like 12 to 18 months? Best experiences, I would say, I would say that probably my, the best experiences are the, the thing that I see the most opportunity. We, we've touched on this a little bit is the ability to take a property uh, that has been treated like a property that has deferred maintenance that, you know, rents have not moved. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of this, like we haven't raised rent since before COVID. Like we don't feel comfortable raising rents. I mean, that's a huge opportunity because guess what also happened during COVID expenses went up, right? Materials costs went up, cost of labor went up. So if you're not moving up rent, you've, you're lower your NOI. And that, like, to me, that's one of the best experiences for investors in this space right now is rent's actually moving incredibly fast. I do most of my investing in Wisconsin and last year rent moved up by 19%. So you got you to gotta stick with that because expenses are moving up as well too. Um, so that just provides a lot of opportunities to be able to reposition these businesses, right? I.e. these properties. Um, and I've done that. So I'm doing a lot of refis now and reaping those benefits um, of all the hard work and all the CapEx. That's my overall strategy, you know, buy right, um, operate and reposition the property as fast as you can and make sure you do a great job. 
and then refi that money out because the the property is worth a lot more on on the end. So um, this month alone, I'll probably um, I don't know what Monday. Yeah, this month I'll do four refis. Uh, this month, for example, on four different apartments that I've been working on for the last 12 to 18 months. So that's, you know, that's how you get the CapEx back. That's how you get your reward. And then that allows you to be able to reinvest. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Would you also share any of your challenging experiences? Yeah, I have a lot of challenging experiences. I'll I'll share a couple. Uh, I'll share one about a property and then I'll share one about like scaling or, or growing. Um, so from a property standpoint, the worst decision I ever did is buy, uh, apartments, um, in a, in a bad location. So I got a great deal as, as, as most people do when it's not in a good location. And, uh, I, I felt very confident being able to reposition this apartment, but the biggest lesson that I have ever learned, and, and this is important as you start to grow, it doesn't matter how good of an operator you are how good you can manage that property. You cannot control the properties around you that you don't own. And that's what happened to me on this deal is we did everything we could to our apartment. We invested a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources, certainly a lot of energy. But at the end of the day, if all the properties around you are not being held to the same kind of standard, right? And, and are allowing you know, bad tenants to be able to move into those, then your property is surrounded by not so good buildings, which detracts good residents from coming to your building just because of the actual location. Um, so I hear this a lot from newer investors. They, they, they go to the apartment and they're looking around and they're, they're, you, have you ever heard Rama? Like when you go to apartment, you look at the cars that are in the parking lot, right? Yep. Yep. Well, I, I think, I think that saying's wrong. I think it's, you don't look at the cars in your parking lot. You look at the cars in everybody else's parking lot because you can change the cars in your parking lot, i.e. the tenants in your parking lot and your uh, building, but you can't change everybody else's. So I care more about what the cars look like in everybody else's parking lot and the buildings around um, than I do my own. Um, So that would be one of my biggest like uh, lessons from buying an apartment. From a scaling standpoint though, I mean, everybody, everybody loves to use the word scale and and it's super fun, but it's also very, very challenging. Um, you have to be able to learn and grow at the same time. Very rarely, you know, at any step when I crossed the hundred unit mark, when I crossed the thousand unit mark, you know, now up, approaching 200 million in real estate, every single step, I only knew about 20 or 30% of what I needed to. And I have to figure out the other 70% because, because things are constantly changing. So, I mean, that's, that's challenging. You gotta, you gotta have the vision and the strategic uh, outlook to be able to adapt your systems, to adapt your team to that kind of scale. Uh, for example, three years ago, I had five employees today. i just talked about having 72 who's training these guys when, you know what I mean? Like a lot of these new people are being trained by somebody that's only been at the company in, in six months. So, um, there's a lot of challenges that come along with scale and a lot of um, people need to think about like, you don't need to know everything, but as you start to scale, what does that vision or what does that outlook look like? Because you need to ensure that your team is trained, adapting to the additional units. And then you also need to ensure that your systems uh, that you need to rely on to um, you know, operate your properties the right way are also changing and adapting to that growth. Yeah. You shared very, very good uh, two uh, valid points like, you know, uh, location is the key. And second one is uh, when you're scaling up, you need to learn and grow and adapting to new market situations, right? Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. 
Yeah. So what is your, you know, take on uh, current market situation and how do you see like next 12 to 18 months, you know, uh, because of uh, rating, interest rate increasing and inflation and, you know, all this stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's the million dollar question really. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, nobody really knows, but, you know, I can give my best guess. And I, I keep hearing a lot, uh, rising interest rates, you know, rising interest rates, uh, what's going to happen? How far are they going to go? I think they're going to continue to rise. I don't think they're going to rise as quick anymore. I think that'll that'll level off. But I mean, here's the deal. When you underwrite a deal, you underwrite it based on the current environment anyway, and the future environment of what that could look like. So should you be you know, looking at locking in longer terms? Probably. Um, is the rising interest rate means that you shouldn't buy properties until that changes? I don't think so. I mean, at the end of the day, the interest rates are still significantly behind, right? Significantly behind inflation. Um, so I still think real estate is the best place to be able to put your money. Um, I think debt service is going to cost you a little bit more, but I, I think there's so much opportunity, even with the current environment of interest rates. Now, as things start to change, here's what I would tell you. My other, I, there will be people that have, you know, significantly overpaid in a, in a deal and might get hurt by this. Um, but who, the, if you are a real estate investor, the number one thing that you can do, it's it, or that can hurt you is not the interest rates. It's not understanding the operations of your, of your properties. Okay. If you have a third party property management company, uh, you need to understand how to ensure that you are managing that third party manager, that you understand how to look into the operations. Uh, you don't need to be the actual operator, but you need to sure as hell need to know how to hold the operator accountable. Even if you, it, right now, if you were part of syndications, for example, the number one thing that I would look at is not that, not that necessarily just the deal. I would look at who is the one holding the operator accountable. What does the property management company look like? What, who, what does the operations look like? Cause when get, times get tough, you know, the, the people that actually um, end up cleaning up and doing a great job are the people that understand the operations. Cause you got to change those operations. You got to adapt to the environment. And I think the people that don't do really well, and I see this all the way, I, I just saw this during COVID is they have no clue what, what it goes into managing and operating an apartment. And they're relying on a property management company uh, to do that for them. And the property management company maybe did a good job uh, when times were great, but when times aren't great, the cracks start to show and they have no idea where those cracks are in the operations to be able to hold that property manager accountable. Um, there's so many investors I know that said, well, COVID was just horrible. It was so tough during COVID. I'm not saying COVID wasn't tough, but COVID, my, my business had one of my best years ever during COVID. And I think one of the main reasons for that is because I felt very comfortable with operations. I felt very comfortable with my property management company. And we saw where the cracks were. We identified those cracks. We closed those cracks and we got better because of it. If you don't know where those cracks are when times are changing and an environment changing, uh, and, and you can't hold your property management, a company, uh, accountable for that. Uh, then it, then it gets a little scary. And I think some of that could happen in the next 12 to 18 months as this economic environment changes, whether that's interest rates or otherwise. And I think that's where I would spend my time because the numbers might make sense right now all day, right? Uh, they might make sense all day when you acquire the property or, or maybe you're planning on rents to continue to increase. But when some of that stuff changes and costs start to go up, like you really, really got to understand your operating expenses as much as your operating income and who's actually driving those for you. Yeah, so, so much valid points. 
And uh, what, what is your current focus? What is your focus? Maybe what exactly your focus next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, my focus, um, I'm really focused on uh, the same three things uh, that I usually am. The number one focus is I want to continue. I'm in growth mode right now. So I want to continue to acquire units. Uh, like I said, I've closed on 500 already um, this year. I got 82 more closing next week. And I'd love to still be able to, I, I love to grab a thousand more this year, actually. So I'm, I'm still very bullish on multifamily apartments. Um, and um, I think that's, I'm going to continue to be bullish. Next thing I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm doing is uh, trying to ensure that even through this growth, uh, that I ensure that I have enough um, capital reserves in case the market moves even quicker. Because I think as much as I want to grow now, I think if we do have a pullback or a downturn, I think I, I, that is going to be a huge opportunity for anybody that does have you know the capital uh, and the reserves to be able to take advantage of the market um, during that time or as people got in over their head. So that's a, just something I'm keeping in my mind. And then obviously the last thing is I'm, I'm super excited about my book um, and, and getting the word out around financial literacy. Uh, the more people I can help, uh, reach financial freedom faster or get them to think differently about how money or wealth building works uh, makes me uh, super, super happy. And it's why I'm giving out the book, like I said, for 99 cents. I want this accessible to everybody. Even the hardcover and the soft cover is basically at cost. Um, this is, this is uh, hopefully help other people find a book that can really help them put their money to work. Because Rama, one of my biggest fears over the next 12 to 18 months is inflation continues like this and the market starts to soften. And there's just a significant amount of people that don't hold assets that, that aren't positioning their wealth uh, in a way to uh, play offense and they're, they're still playing defense. And that's all we get taught in school is how to play defense. And if you're playing defense right now, uh, you're taking the greatest risk at all because inflation is chewing away at your money and your savings. As you're trying to save and play defense, you're losing 10% per year. And it gets harder and harder for those individuals to be able to get ahead. And that makes me really worried for hardworking blue class individuals, even for the middle class you know, that are doing dumb things like, you know, maxing out their 401k and paying off their, their house mortgage. Got it. Yeah. Great points again. And uh, any books that impacted your life and what way? Um, well, uh, everybody says Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I do, I do love the mindset shift in that book. So if you haven't read it, you got to read it. I also love for like, if you want to get into apartments, um, I, I think, uh, I think it's Brian Murray does a really good job in crushing it uh, in apartments. So I think that's a really good book too. Awesome. And how are you giving back to community, Logan? Yeah, biggest way I'm giving back to the community is my book um, that's launching. And uh, like I said, giving it away um, at cost. And hopefully that'll help as many people as possible. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you? Yeah, you can connect with me on social media, on my Instagram account, uh, my LinkedIn account, my Facebook account. Um, my, my website is loganrankin.com. Uh, otherwise, my email is pretty easy too. It's logan at loganrankin.com. So love to help you in any way. Awesome. And thanks again, Logan, for adding value to the show. Appreciate you having me on, Rao. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, shahcapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.